All right. Well, we've been uh, talking about our transformation series, and um, uh, we've been on that for the past couple uh, weeks. And if you had not been here the past few weeks because there's just some emergency that came up, um, please look at the messages because they would give context to the full thing. Um, because what I'm about to talk about today, you might think, wow, you're just really overemphasizing this one area. Um, but remember, like last week I talked about how uh, we need to renew our minds, that God's given us a free will, and instead of us always being and feeling subjected to thoughts that come into our mind, we actually have the power to control what we think and to discipline our mind. So when a thought pops into our mind that's not godly or is not a kingdom thought, we can, ca we can take capture of that. We can take captive that thought and say, I don't want to think that. Because sometimes, our, our, well not sometimes, our minds are moldable and malleable. And so, are malleable? Is that right? All right, anyway. And so like when we think a thought, that gives us a dopamine hit for whatever reason. It might start out as a dirt trail, then it turns into a gravel road, and then it turns into a street, and then it's a three-lane highway. And all of a sudden, these thoughts are just almost uncontrollable, unstoppable. You're in the middle of something, and you think it, and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? It's because we need to retrain our brain, because as we captivate those thoughts, and take captive of those thoughts, we eventually train our brain to, to tell it that that road is closed. And we're no longer gonna think that way because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus and we are not going to let ourselves be captive to these horrible, evil thoughts that sometimes have been uh, a part of our past, maybe just because it's, we're, we're, we live in a corrupted world and, 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 and we're being inundated and so these things are happening. Shut it down. Remember, if you can't control your thoughts, it's impossible to be able to control what you do. The, the mind is a battlefield, and so we need to make sure that we um, discipline ourselves. And so it's not always about what we feel like, right? You know, it's like, if, if you feel a certain way, you know, in society, it's like, man, it's just how I feel. I can't help it. It's natural. It's like, well, yeah, it's natural because I love donuts. I want to eat donuts every day doesn't mean I should eat donuts every day just because I feel like it and just because my body might, not, might desire it. But uh, even when we stop eating donuts, our body still wants to eat donuts, right? Um, but eventually, your body will stop becoming dependent on something that's, that's not good for you. And so, uh, although donuts once in a while is a treat, I'm from the East Coast and they have Dunkin' Donuts everywhere uh, before Starbucks um, and they have something called Cinnabon, which has the word sin in it, so it's not good. Uh, I'm always like, sin buns, get them away. Um, so, so yeah, so there's a physical, physiological aspect of a transformation of a person where God's given us free will to determine exactly how we wanna behave, how we wanna think, and you can control your thoughts through the renewing power of the Holy Spirit and, and the ability for us to actually move in that area. But now I wanna talk about something other than that, okay? So remember, I'm not trying to be imbalanced. I'm trying to talk about the natural things we can do that God's given us, and now I wanna talk about something that is often not talked about because it's pretty taboo, and I'm, I'm almost scared to preach the subject. I'm like, oh God, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me the words to say? Because um, I wanna talk about transformation in regards to deliverance. Okay, all right. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 23, I wanna I want just 
excuse me, 516 to 23. Did I say 19? Oh man, I gave you 19. I'm gonna back up three verses, and that's not the person's back there's fault because I messed up, but uh, it says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. This is Apostle Paul basically concluding this book. He says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he goes through a couple other things. He says, do not quench the spirit, that's verse 19. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Now, when he's talking about test everything, he's talking about prophecies, because there are prophecies that are not good prophecies. Doesn't mean that they're not good because you don't like them. I mean, they're not good because they're not from God or of God. And the fruit of that prophetic word is is either fleshly or other. So you have to test it. So I don't just let anyone say anything and speak into my life. I test the word. I see the fruit of the word. And so Paul's telling us to do this as, as the church is getting going. And it says this, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is recognizing the three aspects of our life, our our spirit, our soul, and our body, and he's saying all of it can be redeemed and sanctified and kept blameless under the redeeming power of, of Jesus Christ. Now, before we go into this topic of deliverance, I do not want to try to convince you that there's every there's a there's a demon under every rock or behind every bush. Okay, that's something. And 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 one of the reasons why this issue is so taboo is because people um, who sometimes follow this abuse it. Right, and they and 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 sometimes there's been abusive. Uh, methods for deliverance in church uh, where uh, they're, they're, the person needs deliverance from their last deliverance session. <laughs> They've been traumatized. like, uh, and, and some things that are just, I mean, I, I don't wanna bring them up, but it's just disgusting how some people have been taught or how people have used uh, deliverance as a reason to uh, glorify themselves, um, talk down to a person, um, Sometimes they make a public spectacle of the deliverance session. And listen, if someone needs deliverance and it's a significant, dramatic um, manifestation, uh, it's not the time to start screaming at the demon in front of everyone because everyone who's worshiping Jesus, 100 people are worshiping Jesus. If there's someone getting delivered, guess what? There's 100 people going like this, right? <laughs> because it's distract- So what is the enemy doing? He's trying to distract people from the worship of our Lord and Jesus. Remember, we're in the Jesus-loving, you know, uh, uh, not business, but anyway, uh, we're in the Jesus-loving life. And so, and so we love Jesus, and that's who we want. And so uh, I don't want the devil to try to shame someone as their last offense to getting free, I'd rather just, we just remove and do it in private, okay? So that's just healthy and biblical. But there are times, obviously, where deliverance needs to take place, and there's times where we can walk in freedom. And, and this is something that's just, I, so I, I don't want you to think that every behavior is a demonic behavior, because too many people blame the devil on their own bad behavior. And the devil just keeps making me do it. It's like, listen, the devil doesn't need you, you, if you're you don't need the devil. You're just doing it on your own. You know, you're you're lacking discipline. You're lacking character. You're not, you're you're living a, a, an unrepentant life. And so um, sometimes we 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 blame the devil, and it's not a, a demonic influence. Um, also, some of the things that 
that we are, are um, worried about is they're saying, well, listen, we're Christians. Why are we talking about demons? What, Christians, you know, wherever God is, demons cannot be. And so if you have Christ, then, then, then why, you know, you can't have a demon inside you. And, and, you know, I said this last time, but John Wimber always said when he's asked, um, uh, can a Christian have a, have a demon? He says, I don't know why you'd want one. They make horrible pets. Um, Listen, we're not talking about demonization. Demonization is a word only used once in a while when it comes to uh, scripture, and demonization is actually possession. We're not talking about that. We are talking about, and most, most translations uh, are, get this wrong, the ESV has gotten it right, but it really means demon oppression or tormented or under the influence of the demonic. Now, when it comes to demons, you have to understand that this is, this is not, um, when it comes to deliverance, this is actually the children's bread. In Mark 1, 23 through 27, it says this. This is Jesus. This is, this is his number one ministry. In Mark 1, verses 23 through 27, it says, And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. I started reading up there, sorry. And, uh, and the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Um, this, is, this is really interesting because you're, you're, Jesus is, first of all, his number one ministry was actually deliverance and healing. He proclaimed the gospel and he displayed the gospel or he displayed the gospel and proclaimed the gospel. He didn't do one without the other. And, and you cannot read the gospels and not see how effective the kingdom of heaven and delivering people of demons were. They, they, they went hand in hand. And, uh, and so... Um, we have another section here, uh, you know, and, and what amazes me is this is not like, these are not like worldly secular people that are needing to be delivered. These are uh, believing Jews going to the synagogue where Jesus is teaching. Now, for some reason, there was unsubmitted parts of their life and they, there was demonic oppression on that man, but, but Jesus uh, needed to cast demons out of the, out of the synagogue. Uh, Matthew 15, 22 and 26. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but basically a Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and she, uh, it says, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And he says in verse 26, and he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now there's, I know that sounds really mean, but he actually was challenging her, and as she even rebuttals Jesus and says, yes, but they even eat the crumbs off the table, Jesus then says that she has more faith than all of Israel, okay? Um, he, was, he was challenging her, but um, uh, the, the reality is, is that Jesus was first called to the Jews, to the children of God. We have been grafted in now because of Jesus' sacrifice uh, on the cross and the resurrection where our sins have been removed and the chasm between God and man is removed, we now become uh, grafted in to that same uh, new covenant, but now a new covenant. 
And so you have to understand that, that what was available for the Jews is now available for us. And if deliverance is the children's bread and we are now the children of God, deliverance is for us too. Now, a lot of this is like, you know, Paul, why are we talking about this? I mean, isn't it true that you, you, you get saved and then you live a spirit-filled, holy life? Yes, you're supposed to. There's, I think there's a myriad of reasons. I think it's a layered thing. But one of the things that we don't realize that uh, in the early church, when people got saved, the whole family would come to Jesus. And then they would take them immediately to the water and baptize all of them. And then after that, they would pray for deliverance and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, just in that order. And in the mainline evangelical church, we've whittled down salvation to, everyone close your eyes, bow your heads. If it's not too embarrassing, and if I got and generated an emotional enough response, no one's looking. No one's looking, just slowly lift that hand up. I see it, I see that hand. And then if we're really brave, we're saying, you know, because they slow play them, you know. If you lift up that hand, can you walk forward? And then they walk forward. And then we whittled it down, whittled. Anyway, yeah. We whittled it down to a salvation prayer. And that salvation prayer isn't bad. It's, it's, it's the sinner's prayer that we reference today. It's, it's not necessarily in the Bible, but it is a succinct way of, of repenting and coming to Jesus. But sometimes these, these, these salvations are like premature babies. They've been forced without proper conviction and repentance. You know, and I mean, in the revival days of America, I'm talking about the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening. You know what they would have? It's called a mourner's bench. And they're like, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, well, first of all, they would just run to the altar. That's where the mourner's bench was. And they would get on their hands and knees and they would beg God for forgiveness and mercy and repent. Not just say, forgive me of every sin I've ever done. They would go, oh God, forgive me for cheating on my wife. Forgive me for getting drunk every night. God, forgive me for cursing out my children and forgive me for the fits of rage. And, forgive. and they were specific. They were, and they, say, they would say, um, repent until you feel it lift. And what they're doing is they're renouncing every evil and demonic act and shutting those doors and then saying, I wanna give my life to you. And people would walk away from those kind of meetings, an alcoholic to non-alcoholic. Why? Because there was a proper repentance and salvation. Nowadays, we're like, say this prayer, read John, good luck. No discipleship, no follow-up, no praying of the filling of the Spirit, no significant baptism attempt. Because I don't think baptism is just, you know, getting dunked in water. Otherwise, we'd be getting baptized hopefully every day. Um, I believe baptism is a spiritual exchange. That dead man dies, or woman, to Christ and then becomes a new creation, comes back up. And there's something significant. And when we do baptisms, if you haven't been baptized, get baptized, because there's a powerful anointing that comes in baptism. All right. 
So this is the children's bread. This is every right to every believer. You do not have to struggle. And I like hear me when I say this, is that I love you. God's called me here. There's a grace in my life. This wasn't just a good job opportunity, okay? You know, it wasn't like I, you know, I, I got this, you know, this, listen, I came here because we felt called and then I fell in love. I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the calling. I fell in love with the people. And I can't live my life preaching a message and talking to the people I talk to in this church and not talk about the opportunity you have in Christ Jesus to be fully delivered and to walk in freedom. Can't do it. So it's with conviction. It's with conviction that I, that I talk about this. There's a little um, slide I asked them to, to develop, and I just want to kind of decipher some of the, the terminology here. Um, when we talk about temptation, I would say this temptation is when the devil subtly invites a soul to sin. That's when you, this is not a natural, this is not like because you're fallen humanity, you're sinning, that happens. God forgives you, and, and, and he'll forgive this type of temptation, too, if you fall into it. But it's basically an a invitation to participate in a sin. It's, it's a demonically motivated sin. It's kind of like you um, could be anything, but, you know, it's like, man, oh, I just found $10 on the ground, or it fell out of somebody's pocket, right? And for, for a while there, you're like, I could take that $10, no one would know. I bet you if that was my $10, someone would take it from me. And you start to, right, you, this, this, this outside temptation is starting to talk to you about submitting to receiving that sin. It's like, it's like there's, you know, they say seeds are words. It's like there's seeds of life and seeds of death. And it's like swallowing that seed or that pill of death and it spreads. I would say infestation is where there is demonic activity in a place. And you might think, well, that's crazy. I mean, I understand that for many of you, this might seem like out of left field, but trust me, there are places that are so riddled with sinful acts that, it, uh, that demons take residence. And just while I've been in Albuquerque, I've had to pray over a home and some homes that have been demonically infested. It's very rare, it doesn't happen all the time. And um, actually when, when I was talking to this person and they, 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 they were not of a charismatic background, they started coming to our church and I said, uh, they said, this is happening. And I said, um, I said, you need to interview everyone. She's like, I was, they're all Christians, they're all saved. I said, for some reason there's demons that think they have a right to be in your home. And so interview, interview everyone, give them a, a jail-free card and just say, we just want honesty. Have you been into any habitual sin or significant sin? And um, she's like, all right, but you know, I know the answer's gonna be no, right? Well, a few weeks later, she comes back. She goes, I, I am blown away. And she found that her um, family members, some of her family members were starting to do occult practices and contemplations of suicide and watching videos that were new age and, um, and drug activity. And it was just, 
this underlying thing. And, um, and so we just went and took authority over it. And um, we've had no other cases since of demonic activity and infestation in, in where uh, demons taking place. I remember a friend of mine who uh, we were in church service and he comes up to me and he goes, Paul, uh, you don't know this, but I've been drinking alcohol every single night. I've just been, uh, I, you know, I enjoy it. I thought it was gonna be just, you know, fun and easy and, and it just ends up being more and more. And uh, he goes, I, I have to confess this to you because when I was drinking alcohol last night, all of a sudden my eyes were open and I saw demons all over my room. And I got so scared, I went to my knees and cried out to God and repented and threw away my alcohol. But if you don't think demonic oppression is, you know, it's amazing to me how some people will think demons are real, but not angels. Christians, they're like, why are you into all this angel stuff? but they'll call something demonic really easily. Or they'll say there's angels, but no demons. Listen, we were born in a war. We are born into it. Jesus has won it, but there's still battles that we as believers need to to fight. And so uh, there is demonic oppression, infestation. Demonic oppression, when demonic activity starts outside the soul and enters within. This is when you start to get attacked by a demon. Now, this, this... Again, it's not a demon under every rock, but this is when you start having horrible thoughts for no reason. Thoughts of suicide. Thoughts of murder. Thoughts that are sexual perversion. Thoughts that, 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 are, that are absolutely not of God. And, and if you enter into those, it opens up a door for a demonic stronghold. What I mean by stronghold is you end up not being able to get free. It's like, it's like a ball and chain wrapped around your leg and you might be, you might be in the Christian stream, you might be uh, believing everything that Jesus did, but you're still allowing this thing in your life. That door is wide open, habitual sin, pornography, where you cannot break free. That's a stronghold. It's not that you don't lack discipline. It's like whenever you don't fight that stream every day, you instantly fall. It's when uh, you actually feel the oppression of the enemy come in your room at a certain time to create a certain sin. It's dark, you'll feel it. I have a friend who goes on the road uh, and for a while he had struggled in uh, in sexual sin and... and, um, he said, it's like, I'm totally fine, except when I'm in that hotel room, I feel something come upon me. And I just, it's almost like unstoppable. It's a spirit. And then finally, possession, when the demonic directly enters one's eternal will and intellect. This is super rare. Uh, I also wanna just say some side notes here. Mental illness is not always demonic. And your brain, just like your pancreas, is an organ, and it can malfunction. And sometimes your brain's not creating the proper physical chemicals for whatever reason, and so you do need medical attention and healing prayer. 
So just because you're struggling mentally does not automatically mean demonic. So if you're not a medical doctor, please don't tell people get off their meds. And if they're not your patient. Um, however, I've seen it often where mental oppression is demonic. And sometimes it's both. And um, I was just talking to uh, friends of ours who, who actually go to this church and, and they were talking about their grandma had just passed away, but uh, years ago they went to a psych ward because their grandma had schizophrenia and uh, bipolar and, um, and she was actually young for grandma. Her mom had, her grandma had her mom when she was young and so forth. And so um, here she's in the psych ward and they get a vision to pray for her and they, and I'm probably butchering this story, but I'm just succinctly gonna say that they pray for her and command the spirit to go and she's no longer in the psych ward and, and actually like for 20 years or something lived peacefully in home until she passed. The proof is in the pudding, right? The fruit is what we judge by. So we, we, can, go, we can go forward. Let's keep going. You guys are right, you're so quiet. The Bible talks about a spirit of slumber, and so if I see any of you, just be like, come out, in Jesus' name, kid. Just kidding. Um, I, I, it blows my mind. I've, I've had this um, several times um, dealing with uh, people in ministry. Um, uh, spirits attract spirits. And um, one, of the, one of the things that you will, will notice is that um, people who have a, a spirit of perver sexual perversion will be attracted to a person who has a spirit of sexual per perversion. A person who has a spirit uh, who is predatory will be attracted to a person who's been a victim of abuse. They'll be in the same room and find each other. Uh, my friend Gerald Conley, who's now a pastor, is an amazing guy. Uh, this is his testimony, so I'm not sharing anything he hasn't shared publicly. But he was a bread delivery guy. He would go to all the shopping markets, uh, all the grocery stores, and deliver loaves of bread and stock them on the shelves. He would like wake up at three in the morning and drive a bread truck. And, um, and throughout the day, he'd be stocking the shelves. And uh, he said, Paul, he said, what I had was such a strong demonic spirit in my life. Now, this is a guy who went to church. If you would have asked him, he would have said he was a Christian. Of course, the fruit of his life was not very Christian, but I'm not the judge. I'm not gonna say he wasn't. But um, uh, anyway, he, this is his testimony. He said, I could stock shelves with that bread, and if a, a woman passed by me with a, a spirit of sexual perversion, the hair on the back of my neck would stand up. I wouldn't even have to see her. I would know it. And, he's, and, and his own account is that he would approach uh, this one account, he approached this woman and, and, um, and had relations right in his bread truck. Now, thank the Lord, he exposed him. And, uh, and he ended up having a radical encounter with Jesus and came to Jesus for real and got absolutely delivered. Um, Jesus' main ministry was deliverance, um, he expelled spirits in Matthew 12, 43 through 45. By the way, I'm just highlighting several verses, but the whole New Testament is filled with, with um, 
casting out demons. It says, when the unclean spirit had gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. It's Jesus talking. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings it with seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter the dwell and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. So it will also be with this evil generation. Jesus kind of gives us insight into the spiritual realm here where people might get set free, but if they don't get filled with Christ, then you're actually putting them in a worse position than they started with. And so when you, see, when I encounter people who wanna follow Christ and, are, and are, who, who are believing Christians but are struggling in an area, I don't mind setting them free because they wanna be set free. But when it goes out, when we're evangelizing, we'll, 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 we'll do deliverance on people who have no idea who Jesus is and oftentimes they'll come to Christ afterwards, but before I set them free, before I, I ask them this question, do you want Jesus in your life? Because if they don't want Jesus in their life, there is no point in setting them free. Because you're actually gonna be putting them in a worse state than they started. Mark 9, 25 through 29. It says, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And then he said to him, this kind can only be driven out by anything but prayer. And some translations say prayer and fasting. And what is Jesus showing here is that when, when it comes to casting out demons, which we're all called to do, by the way, we'll talk about that, um, it comes from a secret place with God. It comes from being close and intimate with him. It comes from the overflow because we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And so uh, uh, we need to make sure that we are um, intimate with him, that our prayer life is good, that, our, um, that our, our, our study of the word of God is healthy and, and habitual. And so uh, this comes out of a secret prayer life, not because we're just willy-nilly with our words and we just wanna cast everything out. No, it comes from a deep secret place with God. Matthew 10, one, six through eight, it says this. This is where we're called to do. He says, and, we, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. But go rather to the lost of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. And you know, when they came back, they were amazed that even the demons obeyed them in the name of Jesus. And this, this extended from the 12 to the 70, and, the, uh, and if we're a disciple of Christ, it extends to us too. And so not only do you have authority to cast demons out of other people, you have authority to cast demons out of yourself. Uh, doors that often invite demons. If you wanna think of um, just something in the natural, flies are attracted to a certain type of thing. So are demons. Unforgiveness is a huge one. 
Forgiven, freely you've been forgiven, uh, given, freely you have received, freely give. Because we have been forgiven much, we forgive much. This does not mean that you need to let people in your life who've abused you. It does not mean that you're not supposed to have healthy boundaries with people, and it does not mean that you have to trust someone again. What it means is you need to forgive them, meaning you release them from any debt you feel they owe you. But because if we wanna be Christians and hold on to unforgiveness, it's a wide open door for demonic attachment. Super open. Gossip. You thought I was gonna talk about heavy stuff. Gossip, huge door for demonic strongholds. Slander, negative attitudes, pornography, sexual perversions, objectification of people, rejection. Some of the biggest strongholds I see in people is because they feel so rejected, they act out in other ways and then become and fall into a stronghold. Love of money, greed, chasing that dollar. When you start chasing that dollar, you start manifesting something that you've never been created to. You become a different person. You become someone that God didn't create you to be. And so now money becomes your priority. Lying. These are even the little white lies. Some people I know, they lie so much, they're compulsive in their lying that they don't even know that they're lying. And I have to tell them, but you told me something different yesterday. And then they'll tell me a, a lie to get out of that lie. And I don't feel angry, I feel sorry for them because they're in bondage. Fits of rage and anger. These are all things we can do in our own free will, but they leave big open doors for strongholds in our life. Anything that has to do with compulsiveness usually has a demonic association. Could be alcoholism, it could be drugs, it could be <clears throat> gluttony. We don't really talk about that one too much, do we? Now, some people have a physiological issue for some of their health, and it's not in their control. But when you cannot control even what you eat, that can be a form of addiction and compulsiveness. When you cannot stop any kind of addiction, TV, phone, when you're living in such a fantasy, your whole life is geocentric around you, and you talk to that person or maybe yourself, and everything revolves around you, and not only that, you've created a fantasy of what the actual world is compared to reality. I often find is demonic. Anything to do with the occult, positive, um, you know, there was a book called The Secret where it was, you know, um, just say, if you say it enough, you'll gain it, you'll get it. Uh, these are perversions of the gospel and it's occultic. Some things we do we don't even realize have new age and occultic roots. You know the old saying, knock on wood? Well, that came from the Druids who believed that spirits lived in wood. And so when they would knock on the wood, they would talk to the spirits, hoping that nothing would happen against them for what they said or did. Not saying that if you've ever done that, that you need to be delivered. But I'm just bringing that to remembrance because the occult in New Age tries to get really mainstream and they do it subtly. And uh, 
We need to be careful. What do demons like to do? They like to entice you, entice you to sin. Two, they like to harass you. If you're taking notes, here's nine points. Number one, they entice you. Two, they harass you. Three, they torment you. Now listen, only one is um, um, uh, omniscient, that is God. He's the only one who knows all. He knows your thoughts, he knows what you think, he knows how many hairs are on my head. 55, you count the eyebrows, it's it's 55 hairs. It's very easy for him, it's not very hard. Um, Only God knows that. Uh, Demons do not know your thoughts, but they do know what they tell you. They do know what they whisper in your ear. And I've said this example again, but if I say yellow ducky, 100% of you just pictured a yellow ducky. And sometimes demons will whisper things in your ears and it'll pop in your mind. It's not even your thought. It's an outside influence. And when you say in Jesus' name, go in your mind, guess what? The demon can't hear you because they're not omniscient. What you need to do is verbalize it. You can do it under your breath if it's in public, or if you're by yourself, feel free to get angry about it. I do it, I'm like, in Jesus' name, I do not agree with that thought. I command that tormenting spirit to leave right now. One of the biggest tormentors that, that uh, the devils will do, demons will do, is suicide. They will put in thoughts of suicide. You might not, you know, you, you have no, inkling to do, to actually go through the act, but it's these seeds they just keep putting in your mind. It's very rampant right now in America. And listen, demons are no different between Africa and America and Brazil and Europe. They just are culturally different and they know how to disguise themselves, okay? But I've seen some of the worst demons in America, not in Africa. All right. They torment, they, 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 they will constantly try to torment and bring you back to the past. They'll try to get you feeling guilty, they'll try to get you feeling bad, and they'll try to make you think that the, the, the cost of Christ dying on the cross really wasn't able to get you free. So number five, they try to enslave you, compel and enslave you. If you, so one, entice, two, harass, three, torment, four, compel, five, enslave. And I borrowed these from Derek Prince, a guy who is amazing. So um, compel and enslave, four and five, equal addiction. Number six, they defile you. Harmful thoughts, especially while praying or about to get into the presence of God, out of left field, a harmful thought will come in your mind. It's demonic. Number seven, deceive you. Now, my good friend Leif says, deception is deceiving. Half the time, we don't know we're deceived. We, we really need God to show, we need to read our word, compare our thoughts and our doctrine to the word of God. And then we need to ask, uh, and we also need to be in community because in community, they can reveal deception. Um, and we need to, Um, go through discipleship. But deception, they'll try to deceive you. They'll try to think that that sin isn't really that bad. They'll also try to think, uh, try to um, put you in uh, compromising positions. Number eight, 
They will prey on the weak, sick, and tired. They will kick you when you're down. Sometimes a spirit of affirmity is a spirit of sickness. Sometimes you're physically sick. You, there's no, it's a fully natural thing that's happening. We live in a broken world. You encounter uh, a cold, you get a cold, right? We'll pray for you. We'll tell you to take some Tylenol and whichever works, yay God. However, sometimes it's a spirit. Sometimes, um, like I, I prayed for this woman in Brazil, she um, struggled with horrible nerve pain. And, um, you know, we were praying, nothing was happening, nothing was happening. And um, I asked her if she ever had done macumba, which is um, uh, like a, a Brazilian witchcraft that was very common in Brazil. And um, in Brazil and Africa and other places, uh, they'll, they'll go to the ancestral worship place on Saturday and on Sunday morning they'll come to church. They're just looking for whatever works. In America, we go to the club on Saturday nights and then church or whatever, I don't know. Um, and so she said, she, she said, yes, you know, she, she did Macumba and, and, and so I just said, well, you know, I'm gonna pray a different prayer and I'm gonna see if this works. See, I'm not accusing her that she's demonized. I'm not saying, oh, I see a demon in your eyes. I see it right there. Because I go Southern when I talk like that. <laughs> I don't know why, it's just a, it's just a thing. <laughs> hey, it, if, if, if it works, then, then we know. If it doesn't, well, then we'll, hey, we'll pray for healing more. But, you know, just, just change my prayer. I come against every afflicting spirit in the name of Jesus. I had her renounce all her occultic practices and repent. What am I doing? I'm having her willingly shut the door. Deliverance doesn't need to be a dramatic encounter. It doesn't need to be, you know, 10 people speaking in tongues in the corner while someone's, you know, wrestling over there with a person. Like, I've seen crazy things and some of the extremisms and abuses of that. It doesn't need to be that. Actually, the most deliverance I do with people is this. Let's renounce these things right now. What's open these doors? We're in private. What's open these doors? Well, I've been struggling with pornography and I just can't, you know, and, uh, all right, let's repent, renounce, close the doors, I'll pray for you, and half the time it's broken just like that. There's no manifestation. Um, but anyway, uh, while, while she's renouncing, she falls to the ground, she starts um, behaving in a way that was not, you know, godly, and I just whispered in her, I command the spirit to be quiet in Jesus' name. There's no reason to be scared of demons. There's no reason to be scared of evil spirits. You're over them. You're carrying one who can cast them into the sea. And so just, I command you to come out in Jesus' name. Everything a demon speaks is a lie. So sometimes they say things, don't try to argue with a demon. Just get them out of there. And finally, I find uh, that people who are restless are demonized. They can't, they, they never have peace and the peace of God at, at, at any point is not resting upon them. Oftentimes it can be that they're demonized. I want you to stand. I know I went, I went long this morning. Well, actually the announcements went long, but. Uh, <laughs> it's 
just kidding. We'll get it down, I promise. We'll, we'll get it down. But you know, my friend Jake Kale, who's coming out here soon, he, um, he does deliverances all the time, and I just wanna, corporately, we can do deliverance right now. What? You know, even when I'm talking to you, if your stomach started turning, or you had something start manifesting, it could have been that there's a stronghold in your life and that demon, not saying it's inside you, maybe it's on your shoulder, I don't know. Who cares? Is getting nervous about what's about to happen. So I wanna, I wanna, I, I want us to do some declarations this morning, if you're willing, and we're just gonna renounce all demonic activity in our life. Now, if you're free in Christ Jesus and there is no stronghold in your life, praise the Lord. Just pray with us while we're praying. Pray that God breaks the chains this morning. So just close your eyes and we'll just do this together. Dear Heavenly Father, just repeat after me. We, we submit our whole life to you. I do not wanna hold back any area of my life. I give you the whole thing. I renounce every habitual sin and demonic activity. I renounce unforgiveness. I renounce gossip and slander. I renounce any sexual perversion. And I give you my whole life. I shut that door in Jesus' name. And I command every demon, every tormenting spirit to leave now in Jesus' name. Just let me pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would come in this room and break every chain. Father, I pray that you would destroy the works of the enemy in our lives, God, that we can live our life fully surrendered to you. God, and I just pray that every uh, spirit of criticism, spirit of, of um, uh, that critical spirit, the spirit of gossip, the spirit of division will be broken right now. The spirit of rejection will be broken right now. Father, I come against every uh, uh, tormenting spirit that's keeping people's minds in bondage right now. We just command you, go and never come back in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you fill us to over such an overflow that no demon could ever find residence in us again? God, I want us to be able to live a free life, a life with no hooks or hiccups. And so right now, Lord, we just say, purify us in this room. Jesus, when the fire of God came, it was not just a baptism of fire, it was a refining, purifying fire. So fire of God, come in this room, we ask, and burn up every demonic influence. God, we forgive our abusers. We forgive those who abused us. Just think of that person, you know, unforgiveness 
is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. Doesn't do any good for you to hold on to it. So just think of the person right now that you're struggling to forgive. Just hold up your hand like a fist. And we say, Jesus, we forgive them of any debt they owe us and we release them right now. And we receive your forgiveness and we release your forgiveness in Jesus' name. want to open up these altars right now for anyone who wants prayer. It doesn't have to be, we're not assuming that if you come up for prayer, you need a deliverance. That's, but we just want to be able to pray for people who are struggling and just need, just need someone to lay your hands on them. If, if there's something you're feeling this, man, I'm getting rocked today. We want to pray with you. There's freedom for everyone in here. So God, I just give them to you. I give everyone to you. Lord, I pray that you would continue your work, that you would continue the sanctification transformation process in our lives so that we can be free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming. We will see you next week. Appreciate you, love you, and... Um, Remember, Albuquerque Collective, October 2nd and 9th, and um, check our website for all other information. Bless you guys, love you, see you later. <laughs>